It takes two to make a thing go right. And the Calgary Flames Defense Affairs would sure know a thing about a thing or two about that. Your Locked On Flames, your daily podcast on the Calgary Flames. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Locked on Flames. As always, I'm your host, Jess Belmosto, and thank you so much for tuning in today. Uh, Make sure you're subscribed to Locked on Flames wherever you're getting your podcasts and for free on YouTube as well. And today we're going to talk a little bit about the defensive pairings. Uh, This is actually going to take two episodes because of how much movement there was and uh, just we're limited to a certain amount of time, so I got to give you the best that I can in these 30 minutes. So just remember to subscribe to Lockdown Flames, follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Flames Pod, and of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Jess Belmosto. Let's dive right into it. The, let's talk about the expectations first. I feel like we need a nice primer, uh, taking us back to. September of last year. Uh, That was a long time ago. I know a lot has happened since then. Bear with me, right? The expectations were high. It was fairly obvious that if this team did not make the playoffs, they were going to be underachievers. And that's because the season before, they had the best defense in the league pretty much and a very solid one through six. They had everything you could want in just a defensive group. (laughs) You know, they had these fantastic um, top-line defensemen. You could count on them for offensive uh, opportunities. You could count on the depth for when uh, when when your regulars was hurt or just to get you through uh, those nasty, grimy minutes. That you have to play, right? And then you also have to remember that Chris Tanev was also significantly injured at the end of last season and didn't really know what the timeline was. And he had a really significant neck and shoulder injury. I know at one point people were saying, oh, he had like a fractured neck. Uh, I believe it was more of like a sprained neck situation. I certainly hope they wouldn't have put him back out on the ice if it was a fractured neck. But I'll let you finish that thought for yourself. Um, There was no guarantee about his health, right? Would he stay healthy if he returned? And would he even be good? Would Chris Tanev be good? Because he's getting older. And everyone said this contract would age like milk. I was one of those people. I am one of those people. But... It's kind of proving me wrong a little bit here. But, and then on top of that, you know, the uncertainty of having one of your top defensemen, you're also missing Oliver Shillington at the, for at least the start of training camp, right? And you, we didn't know what the situation was. A lot of people kind of figured, oh, you know, it's immigration stuff because he's coming back. Um, A lot of players had issues with their visas post-pandemic, just kind of coming back over for 
because they're technically like work visas, even though they're like professional athletes, sport visas specifically for professional athletes. Um, And people didn't really know. We just kind of had to be like, oh, yeah, no, like it's a day by day thing. And then it started taking longer and longer. And there was finally some sort of clarity, transparency from the team. And they basically said, you know, he's taking some time away from the team. It is not uh, substance related. He just needs to take care of himself, which I think is great because, you know, this is like one of the first instances this season where they had to clarify that it wasn't substance related um, with him and Rasmus Anderson. But I think it's good because, you know, thank you for the transparency there. I think a lot of people kind of like immediately jumped to that. And of course, you know, you're putting an emphasis on the mental health aspect of things. And that's a barrier that is slowly being broken down. Professional athletes, especially male professional athletes, battling with mental health issues. Um, So again, you don't know if he's coming back at all this season. They potentially by the trade deadline, if he returns at all, he ends up not returning. And then (laughs) on the bright side of all of this, Mackenzie Wieger comes into the mix, right? You're uh, trading Matthew Kachuk for Huberto Wieger and Cole Schwint. And, you know, you're getting Mackenzie Weger, who was just a phenomenal package deal. I mean, I still didn't think you were getting both Huberto and Weger. I thought you were getting one or the other with, with the prospect. But, and then the next goal there was obviously to get him to sign an extension. But with this coming, with him coming on, you're already beefing up and, like solidifying and stabilizing a very solid defense. You know, Michael Stone's back as well, because why wouldn't he be? Uh, What's his name? Why can't I think of his name? Who's a Valimaki, but he ends up getting waved. (laughs) Connor Mackey sees the light of day for a few minutes and then is also traded. And then you bring in Troy Stetcher and some other players just to kind of shuffle and maybe spark something. And we learned very quickly that it wasn't always the player's fault. But coming up next, we are going to dive deeper into Rasmus Anderson and Noah Hannafin's season because these two players have become key components on the Calgary Flames. And it's it's time we show them some respect and, you know, just talk about their significance to this roster. Before we do that, though, I do want to take a quick moment to tell you about Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powering, a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. You can find whatever you need, whoever you need, for whatever job you're looking for on Indeed. I love Indeed, um, obviously while I'm like searching for a job because it matches you with like can- like candidate to job. And so obviously that helps like 
the job, find the perfect candidate, you know? <laughs> Indeed does the hard work for you. It shows you candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Indeed's hiring platform matches you with quality candidates instantly. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash locked on. Offer good for a limited time and you can claim your $75 credit now at indeed.com slash locked on. Indeed.com slash locked on. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And thank you, everyone, so much for hanging out with me on Lockdown Flames. Make sure you are subscribed wherever you get your podcasts, and we're here for you, your team, every day. Rasmus Anderson, what a guy. What what a guy. Have y'all seen his son? Little Benji's a tank. That's whenever um, Rasmus Anderson and his wife post on social media, I just know it's going to be Benji and that one-year-old is going to be, like, the size of his father by his fourth birthday, I swear. (laughs) But back to the hockey, okay? Rasmus Anderson is just a a good hockey player. Like, in the most simple of simple terms, he is a good hockey player. He is so good at quarterbacking the power play. Like, that, that is his power play. It's not the Flames power play. That is Rasmus Anderson's power play and he is he's a strong player in every situation I think that you can always count on his patience his shot his ability like just his general hockey IQ uh when in an offensive position and of course in the defensive position as well because well if he wasn't a good defenseman well, I shouldn't say that. There are many bad defensemen employed by the NHL. But he wouldn't be the top pairing uh, and the best defenseman on the Calgary Flames if he wasn't a good defenseman. And I-, I feel like the Flames heavily relied on the success bet- um, of this top pair between Rasmus Anderson and Noah Hannafin. I think that they have both helped each other's game. They're both relatively the same age uh, within like a couple months of each other. And Noah Hannafin has been in the league a lot longer and has seen a lot more. But, you know, I do have to wonder uh, if these two, you know, really have built a strong bond that helps with that chemistry. I I have a lot of respect for these two, especially um, just with the accountability stuff, I think Rasmus Anderson takes a lot of accountability for things that he might really not have to, uh, as a player anyways. And I do think that we need to remember that he was quite literally hit by a a moving vehicle this season. If you're new here, you're just here for the Rasmus Anderson talk. Let me take you back to, I believe it was February. I believe it was February when the team was visiting Detroit and Anderson was leaving the casino on like one of those electric scooters just to go down the street, down the street and gets hit in the crosswalk by a car. Um, 
and ends up texting. He was meeting the team for dinner. Ends up texting the Flames group chat and being like, yeah, like I just got hit by a car. I can't make it to dinner tonight. Like, I'm not laughing that he got hit by a car, but like that that's a fantastic excuse to get out of dinner. But yes, he ended up getting pretty dinged up from that. Ended up missing a few games. Tried to bounce back. Admitted to playing through you know, being roughed up. And I mean, I would expect that you're not just going to magically recover after missing two games and then just like continuing to play. He gave himself very little time (laughs) to recover. But let's take a minute to talk about uh, Noah Hannafin. Noah Hannafin, you guys know if you or if you've listened, you know that I'm a big Noah Hannafin fan. We kind of like grew up in the same parts and somehow one of my family friends knows his grandmother anyways um so Noah Hannafin I feel like really took strides in a positive direction this season I feel like last year he made a significant jump and you know definitely didn't hit his ceiling by any means but I feel like he continued to make I don't want to say he plateaued because I don't think that's fair to say, but I definitely feel like he flew under the radar. But the underlying stats prove that he is still on the up and up. Uh, You know, the eye test can only do so much, especially when 82 games kind of flare together, right? But I I was looking at these numbers and he was averaging (laughs) over four block shots a game. Ow, that has to hurt. He has very good metrics in advanced defensive stats as well. I think that, you know, when you're looking at defensemen, you have to look at the defensive uh, stats. And unfortunately, I um, didn't write these down, but he was thriving with uh, defensive zone possession. He was doing really well with giveaways. Or takeaways. (laughs) Takeaways, not giveaways. And he very limited in the penalty minutes. And he was just, he did very well. I don't don't know how else to say it. He, his PDO is over 100% on the power play. Basically, PDO is, it, it measures out to luck, okay? Like, that's how you translate it. But... You know, I, I think if you're hitting over 100% there, you have to be doing something, right? But if the Flames and Noah Hannafin cannot come to an agreement that he will sign long-term this summer or next summer, they need to trade him. It is in their best interest to get a, a roster player and some assets for him. I absolutely think he is, you know worth flipping I think he would be a fantastic defenseman on any team and he's proven that so I think we could see that happen this year so I don't want anyone to be completely taken by surprise if that does happen you know people are always throwing around oh well William William Nylander come to Calgary I don't I don't see that happening but you know people are saying well like If there's someone that's worth trading, it's Noah Hannafin. Like, that'll be the perfect trade bait. 
And I don't know if it is. I don't know. I think it would take a little bit more to get the job done. But coming up next, we are going to talk about Mackenzie Weger and Nikita Zadorov because to me, these two are very different, but very similar at the same time. And I think that it is unique to the Flames um, and just that defensive chemistry sort of going on. I'm sure other teams have this kind of polished defenseman versus someone that has just always taken those gosh darn high stick penalties. And thanks everyone so much for following along with Locked On Flames wherever you get your podcasts. For me, Nikita Zadorov. <laughs> oh, Nikita Zadorov. He is someone that I, I, I do think he got a little better this season. I, I, I don't think he, he was necessarily good right off the bat. I think last season... With he had Gibranson kind of, you know, the two of them were kind of on a tight leash with Daryl Sutter, and that system worked perfectly for them. They were cookie cutter, like they were meant for that system, and it worked very well together, obviously. Uh, the, coming into this year, Nikita Zadorov just kind of had a slow start kind of adjustment period with a new defensive partner, and then you have just kind of everything else falling into place with him. And then all of a sudden he has 14 goals. All at even strength, mind you. <laughs> Nikita Zadorov had 14 goals. Like that's as many as Jonathan Hoover does. What, what do you want me to do with this information other than laugh and share it with you? But to me, Nikita Zadorov did have some bright moments. Yes, it was when he was scoring those goals, but he took on a large, large role, I think, a larger role this year than he did last year. Um, he he was averaging about two and a half more minutes a game, which is, I mean, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot of time on ice when you think about it. Like, you think like, oh, just two and a half minutes onto my commute. That's fine. That is very different than playing professional hockey, right? But there, there were moments where I thought that he did take those leaps to a, another level. But then at the same time, he would just do ridiculous things, like take, taking high-sticking penalty. It felt like at least once a once or twice a game, you would have a Nikita Zadorov high-sticking penalty. If it wasn't a high-sticking penalty, it was probably going to be for something stupid, like slashing or tripping or hooking. Like, to me, those are very careless penalties that cost your team even strength time, you know? You shouldn't be a, a not-so-polished player, a non-disciplined player at his age. Regardless, you know, I... <sighs> Zadorov is was a fine defenseman. He was a fine defenseman for the Flames this year. And I'm not going to sit here and act like I wasn't impressed with his game at times because, you know, there were times where I was like, okay, look look at him throwing his body around. He threw 174 hits this season 
and blocked 75 shots. How does one's, bod one's body not fall apart? I feel like that's just so painful. I don't I don't know like if the shots in the playoffs look a lot more serious and a lot more painful than the ones in the regular season, like we're I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's like those shots are on steroids compared to the ones that we saw in the regular season. But all in all, I thought that Zadorov was just had a solid season and you have to you have to take a minute to praise the career high 14 goals. I don't know if we'll ever see that again from him. But his shooting percentage was off the chart too. This was really, to me, this was a career high because his 25% in seven games in Buffalo, his rookie year, does not count. So, you know, I think that that's great to see. I love to see an offensive defenseman. I mean, if you follow me on Twitter, you know Nothing makes me happier than an Eric Carlson, a Charlie McAvoy, Kill McCarr, Adam Fox. Like, you name it. I love me an offensive defenseman. Obviously, Rasmus Anderson, too. So, you know, praise praise is given where praise is earned. That is for certain. And we're going to wrap up the show with Mackenzie Weger because this man has been delight. He quietly had a 30-point season. I think that a lot of people were so focused on uh, Jonathan Huberdeau's fall off, the nosedive off the cliff, that uh, <laughs> he racked up a solid amount of points this year. And I, he just he looked good. I don't know. I thought that he had a very good season. Again, it's I feel like you can only use so many stats to measure defensemen, but the eye test, he looked great. I, I really feel like he was on top of it. I don't feel as if he was turning over the puck a lot. And if he was creating turnovers, he was quick. He he was able to snag it back and he could read a sequence very well. And he was always ready. That is That is one thing that, you know, you have to take note of is you can, you know, read a situation well, but are you prepared on the, like, is the other person on the other end prepared? I feel like Weger was always ready and he could absolutely just do whatever it took to get there, right? He, he had 186 hits. I thought that Nikita Zadorov threw his body around a lot. Mackenzie Weger, like, that's, that, that's a lot. 108, that's, that's 14 shy of 200. And again, you're, you're going to get dinged up when you do these things. So when you're like, why aren't you shooting so much? Why has your shooting percentage declined over the last three years? How many hits did he throw? You know how bad his shoulder probably hurts? Mine hurts just thinking about it like th like yeeting someone into the glass 186 <laughs> times my poor hips too you got a hip check someone ow but you know I overall I do think that this flames defense has the potential to get back where it once was I think that it's going to take you know that down year that they're coming off of and getting that clean slate they're going to have a clean slate New coach, new general manager, 
everyone is sick and tired of it of last year. They're fed up. They're ready to move on. They're ready to kind of rebound mentally and as a team. And I think that's going to be something that we should really look forward to. I feel like when you have that kind of mentality of enough is enough, it's a clean slate, I get to move forward and be the kind of person and player I know I can be, I'm going to succeed. So the expectations I think are going to have to be, you know, a little bit more manageable this year, but all in all, very impressed with these defensemen and just saw a video of Oliver Shillington skating. So things are looking very good. And the Flames did not move in the draft lottery, in case anyone, you know, was living under a rock. So <laughs> thank you so much, everyone, for tuning into today's episode of Locked on Flames. I'm Jess Belmosto. You can follow me on Twitter. And Locked on Flames is here for you every single day. And you can find us wherever you find your podcasts for free. And uh, YouTube, hello. Come hang out with me in the comment section. Love to hear the dialogue. Love to hear your comments. I'm an overly opinionated person. I want to hear your opinions.